1: Welcome to the pastor's study. I was raised Lutheran. I went to college for my first year of college to the University of Texas and they had this big tent revival near campus. i would never been to a tent revival. So here I am, a Lutheran young man going to this tent revival with all these Pentecostal Christians and they're singing real loud and it was really kind of good. But these two guys come up to me, what's your name, never read, uh, my name is Tom. Tom Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And I remember what I said back to them. Yeah? (laughs) And I didn't know what they were talking about. Because in my Lutheran church growing up, we didn't talk about accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I know now what they mean, and I'm glad that they brought it up. started me thinking. Then I transferred to Grinnell College in Iowa, and I'm leading a Bible study. And after Bible study one night, a, a, a young woman, Pam, says to me privately, Tom, are you sure you're saved? And, and I got a little offended. I said, I think I'm saved. She said, no. Are you sure you're saved? And she brought up the assurance of my salvation. And it was at about that time that I came to understand okay. we're saved by grace, not by our goodness, and, and you, can, you can know for sure. Boy, am I glad that the people in Texas and that Pam in Iowa brought up Christ to me. Have you had people, a grandma, a Sunday school teacher, a friend at work, aren't you grateful for the people that had the courage to open their mouth and talk to you about Jesus? That's what we're going to talk about today. The healed man who refused to shut up when they tried to get him to be quiet about Jesus. Take out your Bible if you would. Turn in the New Testament to the Gospel of John chapter 9 and let's learn about how we should start opening our mouths more. Let's pray first. Father, we do want to thank you for the people you have put in our lives that talk to us about Jesus. And, Lord, we want to pray for each of us. You help us be those people to others. Help us open our mouths and teach us now, Lord, how to do that. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 9, starting at verse 1 as Jesus passed by he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he should be born blind Jesus answered it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him and then Jesus heals him here's the first lesson uh, from this text if you're sick you haven't necessarily sinned that's Jesus point here now I'm I'm going to use the word necessarily because sometimes there is a connection between our sickness and our sin. For instance, if you get rip-roaring drunk tonight and you have a hangover in the morning, there's a connection between your sin and your sickness. If you're having sex outside of marriage and you get herpes, there's a connection between your sin and sickness. So sometimes it is true, but Jesus' point here is it's overkill to say every time you're sick, it's because you've sinned. (laughs) I mean, a joke that I use sometimes, somebody will tell me they got the flu and I'll say, what secret sin are you guilty of? Because it's overkill to say, you're always sick because you've always sinned somewhere. It's also overkill to say, you know, if you had more faith, you'd be healed because it's always God's will to heal you. So if you just have enough faith, you'll get healed. That's not true. Uh, uh, Paul says to Timothy, take a little wine for the sake of your frequent stomach ailments. He doesn't say, Timothy, where's your faith? He doesn't say name it or claim it. He says, take your medicine. So I I will say this, though. Sometimes we're not healed because we won't pray and get the help we need. A lady this week told me about a sickness she's going through. And I said to her, have you done James chapter 5? James chapter 5 says, if you're sick, call for the elders of the church. They'll anoint you with oil and pray over you. Have you done that? So, so get the anointing with oil, get prayer. But if you're sick, it's not necessarily because you did something wrong. Look at verse 4. <clears throat> Jesus said, we must work the works of him, God the Father, who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Here's the next lesson. Work for the night is coming. That's an old salvation hymn. Work for the night is coming. Work in the morning hours. And the point of that hymn is, in a few years, we'll all be dead. You and I have only right now to live our lives for Christ. Don't miss the opportunity. I have a plaque that I hang on my wall to remind me of that. It says, only one life will soon be past. only what's done for Christ shall last for a lot of people their favorite hymn is softly and tenderly Jesus is calling and the verse though that we rarely sing is I think the third verse time is now fleeting the hours are passing passing from you and from me storm clouds are gathering a deathbed is waiting waiting for you and for me. Come home, come home. Ye who are sinners, come home. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, oh sinner, come home. The point of that stanza is we're just here for a moment. Use that moment for the Lord. I heard of a pastor who preached a sermon, and the sermon title was, What Did You Do With Your Dash? And he said, When you die on your tombstone will be the day you were born, dash, the day you died. And he said, on judgment day, God will ask you, what did you do with your dash? Did you live for Christ or did you live for stupid little things that really don't matter at all? Work, Jesus says, for the night is coming. All right, so Jesus heals the sick man, the blind man, does a big miracle, and then here's what happens next. Look down to verse 10. Uh, They, the Jewish leaders, were asking the blind man, How then were your eyes opened? Uh, The blind man, formerly blind man, answered, "Uh, The man who was called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received my sight. Here's the next lesson. Witnessing, that means sharing your faith. Witnessing is telling what Jesus did for you. That's what this man is doing. He's just witnessing. Here's what Jesus did for me. (laughs) And, you know, when I'm on a plane and I'm going to talk to the person next to me maybe about the Lord, I normally don't buttonhole them and say, hey, are you saved or what? I normally just tell the person what Jesus did for me, and we'll talk, and, you know, can I tell you something? I was raised in the church, but I didn't get it. I thought you're getting into heaven by being good enough. Then I discover nobody's good enough for sinners. It's only by the cross, by what Jesus did on the cross that we'll be saved. And I'm so glad that somebody talked to me about Jesus and the cross, et cetera. And it's not threatening to them because I'm just telling them what happened to me. That's what this man is doing. When you witness to people, just tell people what Jesus has done for you. Now, what is it that keeps us from talking to people about Jesus? Well, let's look at the next verse, and you tell me here, uh, verse 20. Uh, The parents were asked what happened to this son that was blind. His parents answered them, "Uh, We know that this is our son, and we know that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know. Uh, Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So, what is it that keeps us from sharing the gospel with others? Fear. We're afraid. Afraid of rejection. What do they think of me? They think I'm a kook. And you know, but what are we going to say on judgment day when somebody looks us in the eye and says, why didn't you tell me about this? You know, why, why were you so nice and unoffensive, so I'm going to hell now? I wish you would have offended me a little bit so I could go to heaven. I remember an old pastor saying, we are nicing people right into hell. We need to be nice and loving, but we also need to tell people about Jesus, whether they like it or not. I will tell you... Um, I, too, get afraid to witness. I don't know why, but for me to sit next to somebody on an airplane and talk to them about Jesus, I get nervous. And so what do you do if you're nervous? Well, I'll tell you. (laughs) My next-door neighbors, older couple living in sin, and I really wanted to talk to them about Jesus, and it just wasn't happening. So I prayed, Lord, would you open a door so somehow I can talk to these two about you? Well, one day, the woman and I, Everything broke open. I mean, she told me all of her sorrows, etc., etc. I, I went into her house, sat down with her. She prayed and accepted Christ. Uh, they're married now. I, I'm not quite sure where he's at, but she has come to know the Lord and accepted Christ. What, so here's what you do. If you're nervous, God, God, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me boldness. And then, Lord, would you open a door and then see what he does? Look at verse 24. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. He then answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. Here's the next lesson you can't argue with a changed life. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know who he is exactly, but I'm changed. See, and I can remember when I was a teenager. I argued with our Lutheran pastor, uh, Just I had all kinds of ordinary questions and doubts, and, and I remember the pastor said to me, Tom, you can't argue with a changed life, <laughs> meaning uh, give, they can argue with your Jesus all they want, but they can't argue with the fact that he saved you. There was a man that was giving his testimony at a big meeting one night. He had been an alcoholic, God had saved him, he's uh, now uh, got a job, his family's been healed, and he's talking to the the crowd about Jesus. And while he's giving his testimony, some man in the crowd starts heckling, you're dreaming, you know, your Jesus is an illusion, you're dreaming. And suddenly the the man felt a tug on the bottom of his coat. And here's a little girl, and she said, Mr., if he's dreaming, don't wake him up. That's my daddy up there. We like him so much better now. (laughs) You cannot argue with the changed life. Let's look at verse 30. The man answered and said to them, Well, here is an amazing thing that you do not know where jesus is from and yet he opened my eyes we know that god does not hear sinners but if anyone is god fearing and does his will he hears him since the beginning of time it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind if this man were not from god he could do nothing here's the next lesson i learned reason with people this blind man is trying to reason with the pharisees look Jesus couldn't do this unless he was from God. And then I think later in the book, in the book of Acts, Paul the Apostle goes into the Jewish synagogues, argues and reasons from Scripture, how Jesus fulfills Old Testament Scripture. So one thing we are to do is to reason with people. I will tell you, I got an email recently. Uh, Pastor Brock, should you blindly believe in the faith you were raised in? And I wrote him back and I said, no, what if you're raised Buddhist or Jehovah's Witness or Mormon or, or atheist? I said, and I said, when I was in, in college, I started to wonder about my Christian faith. I did look at the other world religions. I found a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell, giving the evidences for the Christian faith, the archaeology, the fulfilled prophecies. And I tested out my Christian faith and it stood the test. So reason with people, reason with yourself. Get evidence that demands a verdict. Look at verse 34. They answered him, You were born blind, entirely in sins, and are you teaching us? So they put him out. Here's the next lesson. We are not guaranteed success. You can be as reasonable and as loving as you can be when you share Christ with someone, and they can still go, eh, I'll tell you something that happened years ago (laughs) this really happened I was raised in Omaha two of my buddies in high school and college were David and Jeff they were agnostics we had a cabin in Nebraska and David Jeff and I would go out to the cabin we would play games canoe and then often we would argue religion and I would try with my puny brain to give them good reasons for them to become Christians it never worked I had a dream one night when we were all out at the cabin And the dream was, God opened my mind and poured into me the wisdom of God. And I went out to where David and Jeff were sleeping on the couches in the living room. And I answered every one of their questions perfectly in the dream. And at the end of the dream, they went, eh, rolled over and went back to sleep. I woke up. I went into the living room and woke up David and Jeff, the way I remember this. And I said, David and Jeff, I had this dream, and I told them the dream. And you know what they did? They went, eh, and went back to sleep. (laughs) But you know what I think the Lord was trying to teach me in that? You can be as loving and powerful and wise as you can be, and if somebody's going to have a hard heart, they're going to have a hard heart campus crusade for christ has probably led more people to the lord than any single organization on earth do you know their definition of of successful witnessing here it is successful witnessing is sharing the good news of jesus christ in the power of the holy spirit and leaving the results to god let me repeat that to be a successful witness you share the gospel of christ in the power of the holy spirit and then you leave the results to god last lesson today verse 39 John chapter 9, verse 39. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, so that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, We are not blind too, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say, We see, your sin remains. Here's the last lesson. The reason Jesus came to earth, to heal the blind and to blind the proud. The reason Jesus came was to heal blind people, but to blind proud people. You know, Jesus is kind of like the sun. Either the sun will give you light to see the plants and animals and trees and mountains, or the sun will blind you, one of those two. If you're accepting Christ and trusting him, you'll get more and more light as you go through life. But if you're rejecting Christ, you will become blinder and blinder as you go through life. I got a strange phone call. And this, this man who had rejected Christ, younger guy, and raised Christian but has rejected it all. And his mom is a Christian praying for him. I, and I said to him on the phone, you know, I will pray for you too that you'll come to know Christ. And he said, don't pray for me. It would be evil for you to pray for me. Don't pray for me to accept Christ. And I said to him, it would be evil for me? to pray that you accept Christ? You know what the problem is? This guy's gone blind. So just, again, uh, Christ came into the world to give light to those who would follow him and to blind those who refuse. Well, uh, let me just close with this. The main point for this sermon, I hope you got it, is refuse to shut up about what Jesus has done for you. <laughs> they try to shut this guy up and he just keeps saying, no, he healed me, he healed me, he healed me. And you know, aren't you glad you had some people in your life that refused to shut up? If I could find Pam, that girl in the Bible study that wondered if I was saved, I would thank her. And I would say, and she probably doesn't even remember doing it, but I'd say, Pam, way back in the seventies when you questioned whether I was saved, thank you. That helped me start thinking and it led to me getting the assurance of my salvation. Amen.
2: Welcome to the portion of the Pastor's Study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with Him. Pastor Brock, in light of what you've just talked about, about sharing your faith, should Christians talk about their faith in the workplace?
1: I think we should. I think we should talk about Jesus everywhere. Now, we shouldn't be pushy or obnoxious. We should be delicate. And I remember one person told me, we have a guy at our church, at our work, that's always talking about Jesus and he's such a horrible witness. I wish he'd be quiet. (laughs) So we need to make sure our behavior lines up with our words. But I think, I think yeah, Christian, and you know it's legal to talk about Jesus in the workplace. It's le- this is America; we got freedom of of speech here in America still. But you know, try to also be honoring of whatever rules are at your company. But yeah, I I think Jackie, before you go to work on Monday, Tuesday, pray, Lord, use me to share you with someone today.
2: It's easy to say to pray that you get that opportunity, but I think there is a fear in the workplace because of some of the laws that have been passed now, whether or not you can be dragged in and say Mm -hmm. you're harassing someone.
1: Yeah, and we don't want to harass. Again, there are Christians who overdo it, but my guess is, Jackie, probably 95% of us underdo it.
2: But isn't it ironic though, Tom, that we fear it, and yet there are workplaces that bend over backwards for other religions that don't have Christ. I know. We have to provide prayer rooms and yeah. time for And people.
1: yoga and, and you know, gay lesbian uh, caucus and all this stuff. But want to talk about Jesus, then, oh, well,
2: wait a minute, you know. Okay. All right. So, Pastor T- Brock, what exactly should I tell someone when I talk to them about right. Jesus? Right. That's,
1: that's a huge question. David and Jeff, the guys I talked about that I was raised with, uh, that I witnessed to at the cabin, we used to argue Adam and Eve versus evolution. And it, I never got anywhere with them. But then somebody pointed out to me, we're not to go out into all the world and preach Adam and Eve, we're to preach Christ crucified. So I said to David and Jeff, can I go through this little booklet with you, it's called The Four Spiritual Laws, and talk to you about Jesus and then I'll, if, I'll never bring him up again. And they said, oh please. <laughs> so I read this little booklet through da- to David and Jeff, David became a Christian that night. Jeff, I don't know what he's done with it, but it's about, here's what we share with people. We're sinners. Jesus lived the perfect life we couldn't. He's the eternal God in human form. He died on the cross to pay our sin debt, rose from the dead, believe in him and you will be saved. It's not Adam and Eve, it's not Noah and the ark, it's not Joan and the whale. What saves us is Christ's death on the cross and resurrection. So Jackie, what we talk to people about are two things. Christ died for our sins, he rose from the dead. That's the gospel.
2: Okay, Pastor Brock, if somebody wanted to get that book, where would they get it? You know
1: what they can do? Go to any Christian bookstore, and just say, do you have the four spiritual laws? I give these out a lot. Jackie, I was just on a trip. I was on the plane. I stuck them in the plane magazines. You know, if I'm, I'm at a restaurant, I might leave it at the, uh, the tip, but you tip good if you leave this.
2: Okay. <laughs> you know, What do you do if you're afraid to witness?
1: Mm-hmm. I'm afraid to witness. I mean, when I get on a plane or, or the people next door that I want to share the gospel, I get nervous. So I, I, the only thing I know to do is to pray. And Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power and become my witnesses, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So God, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. Give me the boldness of the Spirit. Help me speak when I should speak.
2: Okay, since you were talking about sin and sickness, Mm -hmm. what should a Christian do if an illness persists in Mm -hmm. his life or her life?
1: You know, here's the thing. Uh, Some TV preachers preach, God will always heal you if you have enough faith. I don't believe that. On the other hand, sometimes we're not healed because we won't do what the Bible tells us to do. James chapter 5 says, if you're sick, call for the elders and get the anointing with oil. So I would say to this person who's, who has persistent problem, have you done that? Have you gotten the anointing with oil? And if they say yes, well then either one of two things is going to happen. God very well is going to heal them, that happens, or it's the thorn that Paul talks about in what, 2 Corinthians 9, about, you know, I, I was given this thorn three times. I said, God, take it away. And he said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. So if the thorn's gonna remain, then God has some purpose in it. Paul's The purpose of Paul's thorn was to keep him humble, he says. But if you if you got a thorn, uh, you pray for the grace to live with it.
2: Pastor Brock, is it wrong to talk about the ultimate healing though? Because no. there are people who will not be right. healed, but. In the end, yes. if they believe in Christ, yeah. the ultimate yes. healing is they go to heaven.
1: Indeed. If there's a Christian that dies of cancer, they're healed right now. They're on streets of gold right now. So everybody gets healed one way or another.
2: OK. Yeah. What do you do if you've tried and you tried, and somebody doesn't come around? Do you stop witnessing to that person? Uh-huh.
1: or? You know, there are people in my life, I'm thinking of some relatives, that I, I rarely talk to about Jesus they've heard it from me a lot and sometimes God says now just be quiet and pray for them so I do think there can come a time where you just be quiet and you pray for their soul
2: okay you mentioned the four spiritual laws Mm -hmm. you also talked about the Josh McDowell book Mm -hmm. are those the only two things that you would recommend for people to um, to give, to give? Well,
1: yeah, I will tell you some I just now saw a new there's a new one called how good are you everybody thinks they're going to heaven because they're good and this takes you through the 10 commandments and shows you're not good you're a sinner you need Christ so and this is from proclaimcourse.com and so there's a lot just go to any christian bookstore and, and go and say, where where's your track section? And Jackie, again, I, li- I like having these and handing them out. And if somebody sends me a letter, I'll sometimes put this in there. Gave it to my whole side of dad's family before some of them started dying. So just, I would I would just keep these around the house, put them in your car and, and see what the Lord does.
2: Okay, Pastor Brock, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Um, we now have a website that yes. we want to tell people about mm-hmm. because if you have people you'd like to see one of our shows or you'd like to have a copy of one of our shows, you need to know about our website. Yeah. Do you want to talk about let's, it? Let's or? do that.
1: Yeah, Everybody, if you go to pastorsstudy.org, two S's, pastorsstudy.org, you can watch lots of our TV shows just by pushing a button on, on the selected topic. So there's, you don't need to order a tape because it's cost money you can watch our show for free if you want to order a tape you can and so pastorstudy.org we've got articles on there we have got lots of tv shows we got old radio shows on there about all kinds of topics like mormonism etc so and if you need a speaker for your church i speak now at churches on Sunday mornings or during the week or whatever. So if you need that, go to pastorstudy.org, call that phone number and, and leave a message, we'll get back to you. But that's uh, that's one way people can, can view this show without viewing it.
2: <laughs> and you know, we just, it's the end of the year right now and we don't know what God holds in store for the next year, but we would ask and covet your prayers for this ministry. It's been a long time that we've been doing it. How many years?
1: 24 years.
2: And you know, It's a blessing to us when we're out and people recognize us and talk to us. Tom and I talk about this all the time, and that there are people watching this show that are getting things from it. So please, by all means, do share our show with your friends who don't have cable and can't see this. Tell them where they can see it, that there's a great show that you'd like them to watch. Thanks, Jackie. Do you want to pray for us, Tom? Sure, everybody,
1: let's just pray. Lord, we do want to pray now as we've heard about this blind man who got healed and refused to be quiet. Lord, help each of us refuse to be quiet about Jesus. Use each of us this week, Lord, that are watching this program, to open our mouth and at least tell one other person about Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.
2: We want to thank you for being with us. We pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we are together next time. God bless.